Welcome everybody to the Loudest Podcast, the Loudest Podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Asterios Coconos. With us as always is Sarantia. Hello, I'm Sarantia and our, my balcony won't open. Yeah, my balcony won't open. There's a, did you see that child lock they put on the balcony? Is that what that is? Yes. Oh man, well it's also a Sarantia lock because I can't figure it out. We have to call somebody to get that thing open. You are fucking me. I'm not kidding because, all right. For listeners who don't know, which is all of you, actually. Yeah, wait. <laughs> um, you know, this used to be a show where we would go on adventures. That was the tagline I figured out for a while, where it was like, we go on adventures so you don't have to. Yeah, I remember that. That was a very brief period in the show history. <laughs> yeah. What happened to stop our nonstop adventures? Uh, I can't imagine. It's not like there was a deadly disease killing everyone everywhere ever. <laughs> yeah, it's not like we had to stay inside or else for a while. <laughs> or else. COVID's over. And COVID is especially over at the Foxwoods Casino Resort Hotel. Fuck yeah, it is. Baby, within these walls is Florida. You smoke, you drink, you sneeze directly on one another. There are no rules. It's no rules. Just right at the Foxwoods Casino. This place is gigantic. It's like they managed to cram all of Las Vegas into a Native American reservation in a weird part of Connecticut. Are we on a Native American reservation? Yes. Oh, fuck yeah, that owns. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to list some of the things that are at Foxwoods here. And I'm definitely going to sound like a commercial for Foxwoods because that's how much fun I'm having at Foxwoods. Yeah, this is great. I love this little mini-cation we're going on. Yeah, first off, they crammed an entire Tanger Outlet shopping mall into a casino. Three stories of shopping. There is an Old Navy the size of a brand new aircraft carrier, just like miles and miles of sweatpants. Yeah, I walked by that. Let me tell you, listeners, if there's ever like a nuclear fallout and you happen to get trapped at the Fox, well, it's, your life will not change at all. <laughs> oh <my laughs> it's God. basically like some asshole millionaire sat down and was like, what do I? OK, I want a casino, but I also want just life to be normal for me. If there's ever a nuclear uh, war that goes on that wipes out everything. Yeah, there's an entire fucking shopping mall. There's a whole series of shitty fast food restaurants. Oh yeah, there's um there's a subway which was like kind of it's amazing because they have this place called David Burke Prime. What the fuck is that? I don't know, but whenever there's like some guy's name in a restaurant, it's like oh that's good. I am so passing that subway depressed me. Like the subway sub sandwich restaurant in the middle of this gigantic casino, it made me sad because I just imagine someone who loses all their money and can't afford to go to like the uh, Rainmaker buffet, sitting there crying into their uh, one half meatball marinara. <laughs> yes, I felt exactly as depressed passing that subway because across. From the Subway Eat Fresh $5 footlog factory is David Burke's Prime. And it has a thing called the Million Dollar Tower of Wine. Oh, is that where that was? Yes. I want to see that. Did you also see the place with the giant steaks just sitting in a freezer outside of the restaurant? You could like look in and I guess if you're a really rich asshole, you could like pick the cut of meat that you want out of the fridge. I think that's David Burke's prime. I well, think that's the same thing. That must be for people who really hit it then because I looked at that menu and she, she, <laughs> yeah. she. 
fish. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, it is amazing. Like Fox, it's it's like the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. There's a Caputo Trattoria here, just like insanely expensive Italian food. And then there's also a place called Regina's Pizza, which is like Boston's best pizza, which is a disgusting sentiment. <laughs> On its own. And, and like Regina's Pizza, they're like, we could deliver it to your room. Like if you want to order like a Regina's Pizza, and it's like, I don't even want to eat Regina's Pizza at the airport. Like why are you offering to bring it to my room? Because they bring it to your room and then that's the last meal you have before you throw yourself out of the child locks windows because you lost all your money at the Foxwoods Casino. These aren't child locks. They're adult locks. I was going to say, I imagine like, I think it's a bad idea for casinos in general. Anywhere where you were serving like a copious amount of alcohol and you can lose a significant amount of money if you aren't careful within like tw- a 20 foot radius of one another. I feel like that is a place that should only have exits at the bottom floor. <laughs> All the windows should be permalocked. And just a bunch of trampolines. <laughs> just for fun. Just a ton of trampolines. Like, like sell tickets to the trampolines. You're making money either way. Like we did those at the Foxwoods Casino. Oh, my God. And, okay, so the whole thing with Foxwoods is, is they're like, they have, like, celebrities come here and, like, do little shows. Like, for example... Maybe you've heard of a famous comedian, Sal Volcano from the Impractical Jokers. What the fuck is one Impractical Joker? What's the draw of one Impractical Joker? What's he going to do? Prank me? (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to see that guy. Like, fuck, are you part of a quartet? No, we didn't pay. I'll pay 25% to see you. And I don't even know what one. Are they doing stand up now? When you become famous, you can make money just but you hire a bunch of writers they write you a bunch of stand-up. You just go around the country just doing 45 minutes. Like, he's got a 7 o'clock and a 10 o'clock on Saturday, June 25th. I'll pay to see Murr final offer. <laughs> I want to see Q so bad. <laughs> um, also, Snooki and Joey are coming here to do their podcast. Oh, fuck. I had no idea Snooki had a podcast. I don't know who Joey is. I assume he's like, he used to be known as like Meatloaf or something <laughs> on that show, Jersey Shore. Yeah. Wait, this Joey guy doesn't look like Jersey Shore material. I mean, neither does Snooki anymore. She's like a mom now. Have you ever seen that great, my favorite uh, clip of... <laughs> My favorite Jersey Shore episode, I don't know if you've seen it, is the one where Snooki gets absolutely fucking plastered <laughs> on the beach walk, on the boardwalk, and she's wandering around the boardwalk just screaming, where's the beach? Where's the beach? And of course, the cops are there, and you're like not allowed to be that drunk in public. Like, <laughs> he points to the ocean. He's like, it's right there. <laughs> and then she gets arrested. <laughs> On the beach, and the whole time she looks up and she screams, I'm a good fucking person as she's getting arrested. It's awesome. Yeah, fucking Snooky odds. Snooky's great. Do you think Snooky's a good person? I'm a good fuck. I'm a fucking good person. No, I know she thinks she's a good person. Like, okay, real talk. You clearly know, like, the crimes. And would it be fair to say you've seen pretty much every episode of Jersey Shore? I've seen a pretty good uh, chunk of Jersey Shore. I could not recite the copy pasta for you. There's a Jersey Shore copy pasta? Yes, let me look it up. All right. Oh, my God. I had no idea. So it's like, top. I must tell you that last night, Ron put his face in a cocktail waitress's breast. <laughs> what? Everybody used to, I used to be able to repeat that verbatim when I was in uh, high school. Hang on, let me find it. No, you, this is worth stopping tape for. Please, you take your time. Sam, the first night at BED when you left, Ron made out with two girls and put his head between a cocktail waitress's breast. <laughs> <laughs> 
left on a note because at that point in Jersey Shore, it was basically like the Sam and Ronnie show. <laughs> the Sammy and Ronnie show. I don't know who these people are. Ron, stop. Mm, <laughs> Ever heard that? I have heard that. Now I know exactly. <laughs> You're traumatizing me, Ron. <laughs> Someone who traumatizes you and won't stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> so, like, uh, you can see Sal Volcano. You can see Wayne Brady, unfortunately. Not when we're here, though, on a Monday. My mom and dad wanted to go to Foxwoods. Like, our niece is here, so it's like a little family Foxwoods trip. On Monday through Wednesday, so much of Foxwoods is not open. Oh, I was really looking forward to the Smash Room. Would you like to go to the Treehouse Arcade? Well, fuck yes, I would, Asterios. Oh my god, it's a humongous treehouse just filled with video games. All the games you want. You want to play Do and No Deal, baby? Win eight tickets from the banker you could play? You could go. I mean, you can't go there Monday through Wednesday. This is closed. I was going to say, I want to turn the fuck up on Monday night. (laughs) (laughs) The Tree of Life Casino or whatever you're talking about. Arcade, that's basically a casino for kids yeah exactly that's where you don't because we would always come here when i was a kid the foxes like my mom and dad would like give us ten dollars each dump us at the arcade and uh we would sit there and we would be like is our family gonna go bankrupt <laughs> like we were so like depressed even as kids we were all like maybe we should save our ten dollars in case our family goes bankrupt or something yeah i have a, such a weird relationship yeah you know casinos are really nerve-wracking for me because i love to watch other people gamble but when it comes to like me losing my own money i'm like oh let's uh let's slow down let's go find the penny machines <laughs> because I, I i don't get the rush like even if i eventually win like i know i'm not gonna come out on top <laughs> so <laughs> it seems like a losing game and it's like it, when you go into it with that mindset it's not even fun and i could tell that there are there are a lot of things that are closed at this casino. I thought it was because of COVID because I get on the elevator where there's a hotel attached to the casino. I get on the elevator, go down to dinner and there's like six kids in the elevator and three moms. You could tell that the moms are a little bit like tips a room. <laughs> so- <laughs> So they're sitting there and they're like, where where the fuck are we supposed to leave our kids if all, everything is closed? I'm like, leave your kid? These kids are like toddlers. They're like two. And then uh, they're so they're standing there having a whole conversation before they get out of the elevator. They're like, ah, fuck it. Let's just go to the casino. Let's bring our kids to this casino. So they get off at the casino floor and I also get off at the casino floor. And the security guard, they try just like bull rushing their way in to get through them. <laughs> <laughs> like when you like super confidently walk past the ticket taker yeah. at the movie theater with that whole like I was just in the bathroom vibe. Yeah, I fucking let me tell you, serious. I thought I had that by vibe nailed down pat, but then I got caught at the airport once. Wait, what? <laughs> My uh, so I have this little trick. You ever fly Spirit Airlines? No, and you know I don't because I hate Spirit. Okay, Airlines. so uh, if anybody here is into hoity-toity and needs to sit on a gold fucking toilet when they <laughs> fly. It's- Excuse me for preferring the comfort and luxury of jet blue. <laughs> so on Spirit Airlines, you can only bring a, uh, you can only have one bag unless you pay extra. You do not get a, you get usually at the airport, you get a carry on bag and a personal item, a small personal item, which right. you can be a backpack, but it has to fit in between these specific bars. And so uh, I tried to, my way to get around that is I, cause I usually have a purse and like a duffel bag and I like, fuck you people I'll put them both under the seat it doesn't matter I feel like as long as it fits 
under the, the real estate that is under the seat in front of you. It shouldn't fucking matter. But I digress. So uh, what I usually do is when I'm standing at the spirit checkout, I'll I take my jacket and I drape it over the bag and I pretend that I'm like just carrying a really big jacket mm-hmm. and then I quickly shove it under the seat when I sit down so the flight attendants can't see me. Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting there and it's getting the clock's ticking down <laughs> and I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, come on, board, 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 board before you see this bag. And the guy comes up to me and he says, hi, miss, how are you doing today? I'm like, pretty good. And he says, you have one too many bags. I was like, oh, but the coat's entirely on top of it. How did you know? Yeah. How did you, how did you cracked my foolproof he, I suppose you're the home to my Moriarty. Oh, uh, yeah. I was like, well, I guess you've got this Roger cheat code. I re- <laughs> real recognize real. <laughs> I digress. Yeah, no. So they tried to like argue with the security guy and he would not budge. He would not let these toddlers go in there and uh, suck up some secondhand smoke. You know what you should do if uh, you've got kids and you want to go to the casino? Don't bring the kids to the casino. Like, this is a no-win situation. They're under six. What were you going to do? Just let them run around in the arcade and get super kidnapped by a desperate, <laughs> like, degenerate gambler who's down to his last dime? Yeah, I now that I think about it, bringing your kids to, like, a giant casino where people lose millions of dollars is, like, a great way for them to get kidnapped yeah. and, like, sold into slavery Dude, or those, something. These kids are easy money, baby. Easy money, baby. Yeah, what were they planning on doing with their kids? Like, you can't, where can you leave them? You can't leave a six-year-old, like, anywhere. <laughs> It's almost like when you have kids, you have to watch those kids. And by the way, I'm saying this like a true r slash no kidder, a true r slash child free. That's what they, I thought they were called. No kidder, no kidders. Uh, <laughs> we should become one of those grouchy, grouchy. That's the new grouchy old person is grouchy uh, millennial that doesn't have kids. Like I'm gonna write a whole uh, screed on r slash child free. I had to interact with toddlers today. Children exist in the same space as me, <laughs> and I cannot handle it. Oh my! You ever read a post on there? It's so fucking whiny. They're so whiny. Well, I know that they call parents breeders, and I know they call kids quote crotch goblins, which is you should think about that. You should think about the phrase you've come up with for a human child. Like that's. We got issues with this phrase. A crotch goblin. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just living in a very progressive bubble, but nobody like ever asked me like about kids or having kids or anything like that. <laughs> but cause, but it's apparently everybody in fucking r slash child free. And if I've told people like, oh, I don't have kids uh, and I don't want kids, they, they don't like push. But everybody on child free is fucking pushing. Apparently every single day there's posts like, I told my mom that I didn't want to have kids and she said that I was selfish. Like, fucking what? Do people actually do that? Do people talk like that? Do people, like, do people in the real world, do people say, I don't, we're not planning on having kids and then people argue with them? Is that a thing that actually happens? I guarantee you it happens because if you have kids, you fucked up 
and you want other people to fuck up too. And you come up with like little things where you're like, oh, it's the greatest experience in the world. And like, oh, they're the gift that always gives. And oh, they teach me. It's like, are they teaching you how to grab their poop out of their little plastic training toilet and throw it at the dog? Like, what are you <laughs> learning from? What are you learning from these uh, little guys? Little, oh, I almost said crotch goblins. What are you learning from these little crotch goblins? How to throw up your SpaghettiOs? What are they teaching you? What I'm trying to say is I had to interact with three small children for a grand total of about, I'd, I'd say like one and a half minutes <laughs> because I had to wait for the elevator, get on the elevator, and then get off at the casino. And they were in my sphere during that time. So that's a lot, at least 3,000 words and uh, 10,000 updates <laughs> on r slash child free. <laughs> Yeah, we would just, they would, my parents would just give us $10 each and just let us like go on a merry way and go to the arcade. We, me and my little brothers just had weird, I think we like watched too much like a current affair and like watched too many like super depressing Charlie Brown cartoons because we were like, always super duper paranoid that we would end up homeless even though we were nowhere near that as a family uh, yeah you know i kind of you see that is so interesting to me because i had like the reverse situation like my parents are cataclysmically bad with money well specifically my dad and as a kid it was just like a minor annoyance <laughs> like somebody commented uh i guess i just so very quickly brushed by yeah like my parents used to steal my money yeah that was true my dad was growing up my dad was so fucking financially irresponsible that it was like putting our family at risk so my mom had to give him an allowance and he would of course burn through that real quick and then he'd steal my money from my room like my allowance as a kid so I had to learn to start hiding it around the that's part of the reason why I'm like so fucked up about money I'm very weird about like finances and stuff because I'm used to like hiding things in separate accounts and like all over the place. Yeah, so Rachel told me the most depressing story in the world. When she was a kid, she used to have to hide money in multiple places. Can you, you've never told that story. Oh, and I got good at it. I mean, that's the whole story. No, it's not. I'll, I guess I'll tell the story if you don't remember it. I'll keep going. What specifically are you So, like, to? let's say Sriracha wanted to go to McDonald's with her friends after cheerleading practice. She would have to go, well, I hid $5 underneath the Barbie dream house. But if Dad found that, good news. I also hid $6 underneath the TV. And I had $8 here so if dad doesn't find that and i remember you telling me like your budgeting involved like multiple hiding places just in case your dad cracked some of them so you might have a couple of dollars left to yourself as a human child with a job to go to mcdonald's and eat like a four dollar happy meal with her friends after cheerleading practice and when you told me that story it broke my heart and my heart by the way is still broken by the story Aww. i know this is a comedy podcast but <laughs> something i think about often is just like sad teenage sriracha just trying to like live a normal life well i mean i see it didn't seem super weird to me at that point like it was just me something me and my brother just fucking dealt with like and he dealt with it the exact opposite way he was like okay i have money i need to spend this right away or it's gonna be gone oh my god <laughs> so what would i uh, i would hide multiple uh, like i would f create different hiding spots and how that translates to adulthood i guess is like i count i have to count my because i would have to count my money every day yeah. to make sure to keep up with the current total even if i didn't spend anything right you had to count your money every day to just it, because <laughs> you're fucking <laughs> your your checkbook balancing would be off 
by theft. Yeah, exactly. I have to like factor theft into that. He <sighs> he got better, but. <laughs> What was I saying? Yeah. Yeah, now he's just throwing baseballs covered in chicken wire and electric poles. Hey, copper wire. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Yeah, and how that translates to being an adult is like I, I have this weird impulse to like check my money in multiple different accounts. Like I'm too paranoid to keep everything in a single bank account. So I like have things spread around and I, I check like multiple stock accounts, if not every day, every couple of hours. No, no, I, I totally, so there's I totally the get the origin of my little quirks. <laughs> no, it is, it is, it is so sad. All right, look, I'm gonna bring us to a slightly happier story. Yeah, um, but it also involves a parent and theft. So we're at the Hard Rock Cafe Casino, and my mom tries to give us fifty dollars to go gamble with. Boomers really like it when they give their kids money to gamble with because it kind of spreads out the shame. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, look, I may have lost $150, but my son did too. We're all in this together. You know, it's kind of like how <laughs> groups of degenerate guys like to go to strip clubs together to like spread out the shame and misery. Oh, yeah, because it's sad. It's sad if you don't do it with other people. It's like if you're taking vodka shots with your friends at a bar, that's fun. But if you're taking vodka shots home alone, Alone, like that's a problem <laughs> it's the same thing with gambling exactly. like if you, if you go to the casino alone you, you need to check yourself in i don't know where but somewhere it was the same thing with having kids it's like we we are all making this mistake it's like we are all stabbing caesar we are all having kids we are all gambling today um and so uh and so my mom gave me 50 dollars and it's interesting because I had just tried to give her $50. And the reason I did was that my mom, she's getting older and she made an older person slot machine mistake. Oh my God, these vultures. Yeah, she did the thing where she's gambling and she hits like a little jackpot. She just gets $50 and she like leaves the slot machine to go get my dad so they can like look at the wheels spinning and the reels spinning together. She gets back and somebody had pushed the button, taken her ticket and left. And so my mom lost like, she said she lost like 35 bucks on this. And I kept trying to give her money. I was like, here's $50. It's like, you made $15. She's like, no, that's not the point. The point was that the security guard didn't believe me when I told him that my money got stolen. And the security guard told me that, no, I took that ticket. I'm like, my very first thought, and again, I'm getting older, I'm getting crazy, was like, point out that security guard so I can start yelling at him. I'm going to go beat him up. I'm going to go I'm gonna go full on male boomer Karen. I'm going to go full Kyle on this security guard. <laughs> Should not be your first thought. So she's like, no, 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 it's the principle of the thing. And I'm like, damn, I know that feel. It is the principle of the thing. Like, um, So I take the $50. I'm like, I'm going to see if I can win my mom's money back. So I'm walking around. I'm looking for the funniest slot machine to play. Now, uh, listeners may remember from the last time me and Sarantra were at the casino that the funniest slot machine at that time was the Godzilla slot machine because you could get five Bradley Whitfords in a <laughs> row. And the idea of getting the bad guy from Billy Madison and or Josh Lyman from the West Wing five times in a row to win $7 was just like so appealing to me. You get five bellies and then you get cancer. That's the reward that you win. I fucking love That's right. It's just, I just love the idea of like character, actor, slot machine. It's just like, hey, Louise, you want to get, I got five Louise Guzmans. I got four Steve Buscemi's. It's like, what the fuck do you mean? Bradley Whitford is in a slot machine. But anyway, could not find the Godzilla slot machine. 
Tried to find an open Jeopardy slot machine. Couldn't find one. All the Jeopardy slot machines were taken. Listeners might be thinking, why is the Jeopardy slot machine funny? Because there's no trivia involved. (laughs) It's just they made the numbers on the slot machine look like the numbers on Jeopardy. And I guess you could get a daily double and double those numbers. But... It's not like if you hit wild and then answer the question correctly, you get more money. It's it's a very lightly Jeopardy-themed slot machine. And something about that tickled me. Yeah, it feels like they just skinned something else and put the word Jeopardy on it. Yeah, where they were like, hey, guess what's surprisingly affordable to license? Jeopardy, but not with Alex Trebek. <laughs> just the what they're like licensing the Jeopardy font and the color blue and the and some character actors like Ken Jennings. You can get five Ken Jennings in a row. Sriracha, do you really think you can get five Ken Jennings in a row? No, of course not. Sriracha, do you think at any point it played do 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 do? Did it not? Of course not, because you have to pay the lyricist and the composer to license it. It's the same reason why the friend slot machine doesn't play. I'll be there for you. That's fucking horseshit. If I want a Jeopardy, if I want to lose my money on a Jeopardy experience, it better be a whole Jeopardy, not this half-assed, half-measure. If you are looking for an ultra experience. Don't go to Sex in the City slot machine. Don't go to the Sex in the City 2 slot machine. Go to a brand new slot machine that just rolled out post-pandemic called Sex in the City Ultra. The Manolo Blancs are Manolo Blancier. Carrie's closet is bigger than ever. And are Mr. Big's jackpots as humongous as the heart attack he had in the season one final sequence? You better believe it is. <laughs> Uh, he's dead yeah he died he, <laughs> he died. died real good he, died. he had dead. to die real good because carrie bradshaw needs to date again carrie bradshaw's gotta fuck he's she's gotta fuck new dick another personal chris now nah. right we don't have samantha here who's gonna fucking be our season's whore <laughs> <laughs> turns out it was miranda it turns out it was miranda i couldn't i couldn't find those sex and city ultra slot machines but what i did find was dune the slot machine <gasps> No. Yes. Now, listeners who are boomers, which is a lot of you, that's fucking crazy, right, guys? Boomers and boomers at heart. (laughs) Yeah, you got to be old to know why this is nuts. It's like, imagine if there was like an Isaac Asimov's foundation slot machine. Imagine if there was like a Wheel of Time series slot machine, a Hyperion slot machine. Dune was just this weird book that weirdos read. It was like a joke to like sci-fi guys. Like, hey, remember Dune? Yeah, Dune was pretty good. Hey, remember Chapter House Dune? That was weird. Like, it was just a super niche sci-fi reference. And now it's like a 10-foot tall slot machine with three screens stacked on top of each other. Oh, I'm going to think of it. I'm trying to think of an analog for Zoomers. Yes. Of this. Yeah. Zoomers, this would be like stumbling upon a cool math game. Dot com slot machine. <laughs> that sounds correct. That sounds correct as fuck. Zoomers, what was like Asian weird? A Zoom- ghost writer slot machine. Remember Ghost Writer on PBS? No. Okay. Uh, listeners, this is like running into a Liberty's Kids <laughs> slot machine. I know what that is. That was the one where the kids like were friends with George Washington or some shit. 
and boomers. It would be like a Bebe's kid slot machine. Remember when Bebe had those kids? I have seen Bebe's kids, actually. What did you think of Bebe's kids? Um, At the end, doesn't he find out it's like not her kids or something? At the end, he finds out that they like live in a crack house. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he's like, all right, I'll come back and hang with you guys tomorrow. Your life seemed pretty depressing. I think we watched two different Bebe's kids. <laughs> I'll tell you what I watched. The Dune Slot Machine. <laughs> and it's surprisingly faithful to the novel. Really? That's the thing. It's like you can get five Duke Leto signet rings. You can get five Gom Jabars. The Gom Jabar. The poison box that hurts you, that has like a needle in it that kills you immediately. You can get five of those, and it's good for some reason getting five Gom Jabars. You can get Five Duncan Idaho's. You can, you, you can get the fucking five Christ knives. Holy shit, I have no idea what any word you just said was. Every time a still suit came up, it was like, you know that thing where it's like, yeah. For the still suits. For the suits that the Fremen used to drink their own pee. What? I thought that, wait, that's not the suit that they walk through, They need to walk through the desert, or is that the piss suit, or is it the, the same thing? The piss suit is the still suit. Okay, so. Exactly, because cool. it was invented by the Stilgar. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's super excited for you to get the suit that make you drink your pee. Apparently, the, the pee drinking suit doubles everything else. Holy shit. Yeah. Geologist Leet Keens gave me $5. So he's licensed? Well, like, she's licensed. Oh, Although it was a he in the book. So maybe you were talking about the books. Pardon the fuck. Yeah, I was talking about the books. Didn't they license everything from the book? This is like the complete Dune experience you can get from It's the, the complete fucking Dune experience. And so it's just like Lady Jessica's turning around. Did Duke lead with tra- Ornithopters. Ornithopters. I'm getting ornithopters and they're flapping their little wings. And so I'm at this thing. I'm like. I'm going to see if I can win my mom her money back. And I'm betting, I'm betting, I'm betting. I'm down to $40. I'm down to $30. Because I'm betting like a dollar at a time. I'm not getting anywhere. My like, Coconuts, you guys start making some big moves. Which is stupid. Yeah, that's a good thing to think in a casino. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's like, a good and reasonable thing to think. Yeah, it works every time too. So I start betting $3, $3, $3. I'm like, I'm not getting anywhere. Down on my last five bucks. I'm on blow this all on this fucking dune dune thing god damn it it turns out the planet arrakis was a trap much like the trap the baron harkonnen set for house of trades i hit the button one sandworm and it roars real big oh no <laughs> two sandworm and it roars real big and i'm like this is how they're gonna fuck me there's no way i'm getting third sandworm Third sandworm, I get the third sandworm. Holy shit, how much is a sandworm worth? <laughs> oh, it's not worth any amount of money. Three sandworms unlocks the sandworms mini game. Oh, fuck, there's a sandworms mini game. Yes! <laughs> and I look up, and remember how I told you that this, that this machine was three screens tall? Yes. And I look up, and every screen is filled with a massive sandworm that is like engulfing me, making me feel small, an insignificant part of a massive universe where the Shai Halud is my god. Oh my god, I'm so excited to get high and water through this casino. I know. And it says like starts, hit play to start sandworm minigame. Sandworm minigame. I hit play, numbers start going crazy and I pulled out my phone and I 
recorded it. So, Sriracha, I want you to hit play on that phone and describe what you're seeing. I'm fucking pumped. Okay, I'm pressing play. Looks like there's a very big sandworm or wall of sandworm. Perhaps it is a single... Oh, no, it's a single sandworm. And its asshole is staring directly at me. And the slots are going crazy. There's numbers everywhere. Man, those sandworms really do look like buttholes. And, oh, something is happening. Numbers... Right before my eyes are appearing. <laughs> what are some of the numbers you're seeing? Uh, 3,000, 3,000, 4,000. Oh my God, did you win like $4,000? <laughs> 90, 90, 60, 90, 60, 4,500. Asterios Coconos has won 5,000 sandworm points. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up walking away from this thing. With two hundred and sixteen dollars and eighty-seven cents. Holy fuck! Out of the out of the fifty dollars, may the sandworms be with you, <laughs> and also with you. And so I opened up Zell and I sent my mom the two hundred and sixteen dollars, and I was like, "Mom, I hope this makes up for the money that you lost at that casino. Like, I won your money back and then some. Like, I love you very much." And she said. Thanks, but that's not the point. The principal of the thing was a security guard didn't believe me. Yeah, you're such a kiss up. The point was she's not happy because the security guard called her a liar. She doesn't care about the money. She wants to not be called a liar. Well, now I got to go get into a fist fight with a security guard at a casino, okay? Yeah, the only way you can rectify it by punching that guy in the mouth. I'm sorry, your money's not good here. (laughs) I'll be God fucking damned. I'll take my mom back to Hard Rock. She really liked those flatbreads. She she gave us the $50. She'd also quite enjoyed those flatbreads. Maybe I'll get her some. Will those flatbreads make her feel better? I'm just trying to make my mommy feel better. I genuinely can't tell because the first flatbread she got, she seemed pretty keen on and then the second flatbread came and it was too greasy. But uh, she told me that it was better baked than the first flatbread. I was like, well, you seem pretty ambivalent about that flatbread. (laughs) (laughs) And also this flatbread. I digress, but I came up with a really good fake am I the asshole at dinner actually while I was uh, dissociating the bathroom. (laughs) You wait, I'm sorry, before you, look, I always want to hear about Am I the Assholes. You were dissociating in the bathroom of a Hard Rock Cafe? Yeah, uh-huh. Any, you want to tell us why? I mean, why does anybody dissociate? You've never had that happen? Like, you're just staring at a corner in the room, and then suddenly it's 15 minutes later. Am I, oh no, is this another mental illness? Ooh, I'm mentally ill. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I was wondering where you went. <laughs> I thought there was a lady issue, but please keep going. Uh, anyways, when I got done staring off into space and time and looking and staring, gazing into the void, <laughs> <laughs> gazing into the void that was a flyer for the messy burger <laughs> that was taped to the back of the stall in the Hard Rock Cafe. Okay, so how about this as a fake am I the asshole? Sure. Tell me if you think this would get traction. Okay. And I haven't actually, like, this isn't a totally baked idea, so I'm just going to explain the situation to you. Mm-hmm. So I am going to play a waiter. A waiter at a, like a smaller restaurant, like his dad maybe is the main manager or the owner or something. They employ probably like 15 people. Okay. And as a waiter, I am, I mix up two tables and I bring the wrong food to one table and I leave the dessert there and they eat all of it. But then by the time I get back, they say, we didn't order this, but I still charge them for it. And then they're like, 
we want this taken off our bill. We didn't order this. And I'll say, but you ate it all. You ate it. You have to pay for it. And they're like, we didn't know. We thought this was like a special free promotion or something. You you can't charge us for something that we didn't order. And I want it to be canon that I did mess the tickets up. Right. Like, I did mess the tickets up and gave these people a dessert that they did not order, but they did eat it. So am I the asshole for forcing them to pay full price for a dessert that they entirely ate? <laughs> But did not request. Because the thing is, they ate the whole dessert. Yeah. So like that, it's like if they had had like a bite of it. Well, like obviously you can't return that. But like still, like it's not their fault. Like if someone just suddenly gave me like an Oreo cookie pie, the my first thought <laughs> would be to take a bite of it. And then I would quickly realize, wait a minute, this is some other kid's cookie pie. And then I would flag the waiter down. But they ate the whole thing. They ate the whole thing. They ate the whole thing. And then they're expected to not have to pay for it. This is pretty good because it's kind of like halfway through that cheesecake. You know you didn't order cheesecake. I mean, yeah, you place a dessert down. You need to be able to recognize this is not something I wanted or asked for. Exactly. See, I think that that's why it's kind of too easy because I feel like making these too easy gets them removed for being fake. I think that the question here, if it was too easy, it would be, yes, these people are obviously the assholes. Like, you should have said something and not eaten the cake but i so i need to add a little sprinkle of me as the waiter kind of pushing it into the everybody sucks here territory or uh no assholes here or something to make it a little something to give people get them talking controversial see the thing is the fact that you force them to pay for it that's a little controversial because like the way you expect that story to end is that the waiter's like well i just fucking didn't charge them for it because it's like i'm not gonna argue over seven dollars like if the waiter kind of sticks to his guns and he's like, this is a small family restaurant, like we have really thin profit margins, like we're just recovering after COVID. Or if the waiter like maybe goes like, all right, uh, if you're not going to pay for it, then you're banned from this restaurant and you can never come back. And they're like, well, we've been coming here for 10 years. And then I'm, I'm like, yeah, well, for the next 10 years, I know where you're not going, pal. Like, you're right. The waiter does have to strike back a little bit. You got anything? Right. Oh, I like that banning thing. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Maybe the waiter comes back and like argues with the people for multiple, like, because you expect the waiter to come back and just comp it immediately. So maybe the waiter like, sits there and argues with them for 10 minutes and then they just get fed up pay for it and then throw the check and leave i like that that they're like fine we'll pay for it and you're like am i the asshole for sticking to my guns yeah and then maybe another waiter could be like did you seriously charge them for something that they didn't order that's a real asshole move so i need to ask am i the asshole yo that's good That's real. Yeah. Okay. Don't bring up the COVID nineteen thing. Like, um, that's one layer too many. I. This is a very juicy. This is almost as juicy as the asshole and that sandworm that gave me all that money. It was a scary. It was a very scary slot machine. It's I've, so big. You I feel, feel so like, small. I feel like if you were very high, that would be. Uh, that would be like a, a when you die. You know how your brain just dumps all your DMT. Like yeah. that would be something you see in your brain <laughs> as you're dying. <laughs> no. Um. Quick sidebar. Sriracha let me know today that I've been engaging in turbo cringe. Oh my God, you are so cringy. I, we get back to this hotel room, this like nice hotel room that my mom got for us. I'm turning 40 this year. And she was like, she turned to me like very politely and she was like, hey, 
can you not use like a cutesy pet, my cutesy pet names around your family? And uh, by the way, I just made that sound even a little bit more judgmental than it was. Like she was, she super politely, she was like, hey, just, uh, you know, could you, could you not call me that? And I was like, what have I been doing? And you were like, yeah, you call me like these cutesy pet names around your family. And it's super fucking embarrassing. It's like really embarrassing. <laughs> Why don't you tell the listeners what I've been doing? It's very embarrassing. It's, it's very infantilizing and it's real weird to be around like your family and having you say shit like, be like, hey, there's sweet little cutie. Hi, cutie baby, honey. <laughs> it's, it's fucking weird. Dude, I'm cringing just repeating it. I didn't even say it. Apparently today, like, because my mom uh, on the ferry boat over here, like, gave us some pound cake from Christmas. That's the kind of mom she is. She's like, I kept Christmas pound cake for all of us. And apparently there was one piece left, and I was like, well, the last piece is for sweet little cuties. <laughs> apparently I said that in front of my mom. Out loud. Dad. Out loud. Niece He's, and sister. That wasn't just inside brain thoughts. That was like, out loud, you said that. I didn't know I I did that. I didn't know I did that. And I asked her, I was like, how often do I talk like this in public? Every day. Every single day you do that. Every single day you do that in public. I've asked you to stop multiple times and you won't. I didn't know. I, I really didn't know I did that. And so. like, I don't even mind it, but it's just in front of people I need to regularly interact with. I don't think, like, I don't care if you, like, it's cringe to be using pet names in public, but th that doesn't bother me. Around your mom and sister, though, that's a little weird. I want to be a better person who does not do this. <laughs> I am so thankful to you that you've pointed out that I do this. So today on the way to the Hard Rock Cafe, I set an alarm that was set to go off the moment I arrived at the Hard Rock Cafe and it was like, no pet names. And then I set it to go off every eight minutes during <laughs> dinner. Did you notice that? It kept I did. Ringing? And I did saw you look it at ring. the alarm? What did the alarm say? It said, no pet names. <laughs> no pet names. So I was always like, would you like some of my dessert? Sierra Santana? <laughs> Hello, my darling wife. <laughs> Please have some cheesecake. Yeah, no, it's like. Would you like some flatbread? <laughs> I think it's like. I think it's like me and swearing, but I have to keep like like every second. I uh, it's like you know how sometimes when you're running multiple programs in mm -hmm. Windows, everything's slower. Yeah. That's like I I can't think as fast. I can't think as fast on my feet when I'm trying not to swear. And I've noticed that because when I get real into conversations, I kind of lose it. So I need to be incredibly careful around your mouth. Like when I just talk with my friends, I I don't I, I'll just fucking swear every other sentence. But then when I'm talking to my mom, like I need to watch it. So one time I was on my phone with my mom and I was getting real into this conversation about 90 day fiance or something and she's like well I think Colt needs to move out and I was like that's the genesis of the whole fucking argument here and let me tell you I got yelled at for like nine minutes I am an adult I pay taxes Colt does need to fucking move out he's been living with his mom for almost 40 years yeah no so my brain is like running at 70% capacity here and I'm seeing like, you alarms ring it off and I'm like great time we're just having a great time <laughs> Oh my god. The Foxwoods. <laughs> Fox. I am having a really goddamn good time at Foxwoods. I personally think that this casino should be registered as a national historic place because it is the site of 
where the guy, the what's the opposite of protagonist, the antagonist of the bad vegan documentary on Netflix, which I recently watched. I'm obsessed <laughs> with. I watched it like four fucking times. I'm obsessed with this documentary. I wrote a whole outline to tell this story to you because it's so goddamn funny, but I might not even need it. I'm going to see how far I can get without it. I'm going to tell you a tale. I'm going to spin you a yard. Listeners, Asterios, this is a story. It's like, it's like a Bible story. It's really good. <laughs> It's got uh, more characters than the fucking Chinese alphabet, though. So you really got it. This is one of those things where you really got to stick with me because this has many people, people calling themselves different names. So you got to You got to try your best to stick with me. Uh, story is a story of loss. It is a story of magical entities. It is a story of becoming immortal by giving people a bunch of money. <laughs> So once upon a time, not long ago, our main character, her name is Sarma. She's a woman. She, I think, her, she's dumb as a stump, but I think her parents are like insanely rich. She goes to UPenn, and at one point in the beginning of the documentary, she says, I graduated from UPenn, and I wasn't under any financial pressure to get a job at that point. And I was like, that was the most laissez-faire, hands-off way I've ever heard anyone say my parents are paying my rent. <laughs> yeah, I'm currently not under pressure to get a job. No job has has occurred <laughs> financial troubles have not occurred for me oh my God. so she goes to culinary school and like every uh person with insanely rich parents she gets into weird shit and early in the 2000s veganism was relatively new thing so she graduates from culinary school she's also very attractive that i think i think that plays a major role in this story she's very good looking and men seem to be drawn to her but unfortunately she picks like out of her circle of rich and famous people the biggest douche in the entire world <laughs> to date and marry. So Sarma goes to culinary school, graduates. She, uh, raw food, the raw food vegan thing is very new at this time. So she decides she wants to open a restaurant, a raw food restaurant, and nothing's cooked. <laughs> so she meets up with this guy named Matthew Kenny. And Matthew Kenny is like a famous chef. He's already famous, like all over New York. He's had multiple restaurants. And Sarma's pretty hot. So he's like, yeah, a girl who just graduated fresh out of culinary school, we could absolutely write a cookbook together. <laughs> So they start dating um, and eventually the cookbook does well. They open a restaurant. They open a restaurant called Pure Food and Wine. Pure Food and Wine is one of the first raw vegan restaurants in like New York City. And this shit does gangbusters. It does gangbusters thanks to a, an investor. His name is Jeffrey Chottero. And Jeffrey Chottero, I don't know who, he's just a big dick swinging asshole. He's got like a ton of money and he throws it at him. He's like, yeah, this is a good idea. Here's a ton of money. And so I don't totally understand this business structure of pure food and wine, but it seems like Jeffrey owns it, but Jeffrey does not own the land because I know they still have to pay rent and shit. Even okay. after Sarma buys the concept back from him. I don't know, legally. So Matthew Kenny and uh, Sarma open this restaurant. It does very well. It's operating profitably, which is impressive for a restaurant. But Sarma and Matthew Kenny are fighting. And the reason why Sarma and Matthew Kenny are fighting is because Matthew Kenny, uh, is about as good with finances as my dad. <laughs> so he is blowing. He gets money in his pocket, burns an absolute hole in it. So he's like spending on non-essential shit and it's fucking with the books. And Matthew Kenny apparently throughout New York has a reputation, a reputation for being kind of a dick when it comes to finances. Like he has multiple times screwed over investors, screwed over like banks, not paid back loans and shit. So Kenny 
and Sarma get in a fucking fight and they get in a fight and they're like, all right. And they both call Jeffrey Chatterow at the same time. It's like, it's either him or me or it's either her or me. Like you got to pick one of us to say hit the fucking bricks. And Jeffrey Chatterow is looking at this. And he's like, well, uh, Matthew Kenny's pretty famous, but uh, Sarma isn't pissing money away like a racehorse on a track. So I'm going to go with Sarma. So Matthew Kenny gets, he's out. He's out of the restaurant. Sarma is running Pure Food and Wine, and she's running it well. But she's unlucky in love, serious. She's unlucky in love. She's a hot, rich girl who runs a famous vegan rat. She can't just like find some like patchouli dick to ride. Yeah. Now we get to the other, the other weird main character of our story, who is he's not really a main character, but he's a main element, and okay. his name is Alec Baldwin. <laughs> so Alec Baldwin. <laughs> apparently was a really big fan of pure food and wine. And I assume I'm extrapolating this information probably had a crush on Sarva because he would like go to this restaurant frequently, like talk about her tweet about her and shit. And she's like, Ew, I don't want to get married to Alec Baldwin or date him. He's fucking old. And then uh, he meets his wife, Hilaria. He actually met his wife at that restaurant, pure food and wine. And she's like, Oh, He's dating somebody much younger than me, and uh, he got married to her. Well, shit, that sucks. I need to get some dick now. <laughs> Wait, so she was, like, side-pocketing that Baldwin dick? Yeah. Like, uh-huh. assuming she could cash in Alec Baldwin dick at any time? I assume so. I think so. Yeah, I do think so. But, I love this girl. But you see, Alec Baldwin is a cosmic force in this story. Alec Baldwin is the nexus between this world and the next because all these crazy coincidences that lead Sarma into this journey connect to Alec Baldwin for some reason. Like, for example, her uh, dog, she has a pit bull that she adopted named Leon. And Leon is a main character in this story because uh, Sarma gets into some significant trouble because she tries to make Leon immortal, the dog. And how she originally got Leon was uh, Alec Baldwin was like hitting on her. He's like, I need uh, like... Uh, you're showering without me and she was so he's like I have nobody to cuddle with and no one blah, blah, blah. and she's like why don't you get a dog like, instead of offering herself there which is clearly what he was king at she's like why don't you get a dog so she starts looking at dogs to adopt and she adopts this dog and she loves this dog and she's like this was a gift from the lords brought to me through Alec Bob <laughs> because he's the one that planted he planted the seed of getting a dog in her head or something. So as you can see, Alec Baldwin has magical powers. He has magical powers uh, to connect Sarma to the most important people of the world. She thought she was going to get with Alec Baldwin, but he didn't. Uh, and Alec Baldwin led her down the road to her beloved pit bull that she adopted. So Sarma sees on Twitter, Twitter is becoming a thing now and it's the early 2000s. She says Alec Baldwin is regularly interacting with someone named Shane, Shane Fox. And just like they're like back and forthing each other. So she makes the assumption that like they kind of know one another. Oh, no. I remember at the time Alec Baldwin would just like talk to anybody on Twitter. Oh, really? That was the thing where it was like, hey, <laughs> if you if you want to talk to Alec Baldwin, it's totally possible. I guess this guy... <laughs> Doesn't want to raise his kids because of remember that voicemail he left for his daughter. 
Is that the word we call her a whore? Twitter. Um, he, I know he called her a quote thoughtless little pig, <laughs> which is very hurtful for a father to call their daughter, but also kind of the most Alec Baldwin possible insult. Where he's like, "I'm super into old timey insults. I like listening to Rosemary Clooney and calling women tramps and trollops." Yeah, I was about to say that's a fucking boomer insult. What are you going to call me, a harlot or a coquette next? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so Alec Baldwin is interacting with, I guess, just a regular guy named Shane Fox, just interacting, and Sarma sees this, so she's like, oh, okay, Alec Baldwin is the magical nexus that connected me to Leon, so maybe I should start chatting up this Shane Fox guy, so they start playing words with friends, and they fall in love on words with friends, because let me tell you, at this point in time, it is a very interesting point in time in Sarma's life. She's alone. She's sad. And she's in debt. She's in big debt. Because when Matthew Kenny fucked off, she was granted the rights to the restaurant. Like, the, I guess there's the concept or something. Oh, but she had to buy him out. She had to buy him out for $2 million. Oh, God. So Sarma is in debt about $2 million to Jeffrey Chaudhary, who is a very scary man. <laughs> So she starts talking to this dude over, they fall in love over word with friends. And she's like, why don't you come down to New York? So he does. And he's fat as fuck. (laughs) The first thing she notices about him, he shows up in New York, is that he is fat. He's fatter than his Twitter picture, but whatever. They go on a couple dates. Uh, He seems kind of normal, but he's got a very weird vibe, Asterios. He's just fucking weird. He's got like all these flashy shit. Like he's got a Rolex and a Bentley. So Sarma just assumes that he's from money or wealthy or something. But he does weird shit, Asterios. Like, for example, sometimes he'll sit for hours watching like drone footage. There was one time where they were in a cab and he had to stop at a bit random building in Midtown Manhattan and he goes into the building and he brings back like a folder of loose diamonds like with the implication that they were from an evidence locker or something. So he's like heavily implying that he's like Blackwater shit. I don't know if he ever like said it straight up, but he's doing all this weird. He's running around town doing all this weird fucking shit. This fatty. Like pretending to be like the world's fattest CIA agent. Right. Like he's waddling from subway to subway, uh, picking up loose diamonds and drone footage. Interesting. Like he'll leave the country for random periods of time. Just like to fuck off, not say anything or believe and then be back in a couple days so she thinks that he's some kind of special ops like marine super seal or something which you can't verify i mean i guess you could look up if he was in the army or something but you can't like ask anybody was this guy a secret special agent fighting the taliban well also the more you deny it the more it makes you sound like a super secret taliban fighting guy right so out of the blue fatty starts asking for money they're kind of dating at this point. And it's like like weird randoms amount, like $6,000, $4,000. She gives it to him because he's stupid. And he's just real, f- she's just a weird person too. Like at one point she befriends, one of the main characters in this documentary, she befriends a homeless guy. Mm-hmm. And he seems like a real nice homeless guy, but he doesn't seem like totally put together in what, uh, planning of a, like for example, Sarma at one point goes to jail and he was like, well, my first thought was that I was going to drive up to Rut- Rikers Island and break her out. Like, fuck her. Oh, that's not a first thought. <laughs> yeah, fuck her. <laughs> that's not what the hell. Like, you can't do that. You're going to break 
into jail? <laughs> yeah, that's not okay. Break into Rikers Island, like jail of all jails. Yeah. <laughs> so Summer starts giving him money because she's fucking stupid. And out of the blue, he just takes the relationship to the next level. He's like whisking her away to all these fantastic restaurants. And well, he takes her to Tiffany's, like the top floor at Tiffany's that normies like us don't get to go to. Is he buying her stuff at these places? He is having her try on. Yeah, he's like buying her dinner and shit he's buying her like nice luxuries so he's got so he's got some money right okay he's having her try on eight hundred thousand dollar wedding rings and she's like why are we here and he says don't worry about it just try at one point uh he sweeps her away to some kind of real estate office where he's like in serious talks with people about buying like townhouses in Manhattan worth $20 million. Oh my God. They're supposed to buy this townhouse. He's like, he swears up down and sideways. He's like, I'm going to buy you this townhouse because it's a couple blocks away from the restaurant. And it's like $15 million. They have emails back and forth with real estate agents and like, like they want this guy and he seems really legit and everybody around him is treating him like he's legit. The money never materializes. Mm-hmm. But Sarma is not deterred from this. So he starts talking about, I'm going to buy, he's like, that $2 million, so you remember that $2 million debt that she owes to Jeffrey Chattero? Yeah. That's like fucking chump change to him, bro. Like, he could buy that too. He could buy pure food and wine, like fucking that, if he wanted to. So she has no money at this point. Now, I know what you're thinking. If she's in all this debt and she's like seriously in trouble, why didn't she ask her parents? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe because she felt embarrassed, but because it gets, Sarma's kind of stupid and it gets stupider and stupider. It's about to get a whole lot more stupider in here. Well, I I mean, but okay, do you think her parents like could just like break off $2 million for her? I mean, like there's wealthy parents, but like, are they that wealthy? Oh, I think so. Because at one point in the documentary, you found out that her mom sent him, this comes into play later, like, almost half a million dollars because he was like Sarma's in trouble I need you to keep sending money and over the grand course of like a year she sent him half a million four hundred thousand dollars like if my if you called my mom it was like I need four hundred thousand dollars to save Sriracha and she'd be like uh she probably is in a situation like this because she did something right she deserves it just said fuck off leave her my mom would be like you know a funeral is much cheaper yeah but that's exactly what my mom she'd be like uh oh can I talk to the accuser guys <laughs> maybe we can work out a uh what's it called when you buy your debt like a settlement plan <laughs> a monthly payment plan you could have two of her fingers <laughs> <laughs> so she's talking to this banker or agent or something and he's like yeah uh, i'm gonna give you two million dollars to pay off your restaurant debt because i don't want you to be worried about that and it's like nothing to me mm-hmm. so she's talking to this accountant and she's like is there any way that he could give me this money and like i could like not pay taxes on it i have it without the government getting involved and the uh, the uh, the uh, not attorney, but the accountant is like joking, half jokingly says, "Well, why don't you just marry him then? Because uh, you could transfer money between each other till the cows come home if you want to. If you're married, it's not a taxable event." So she's like, "Yeah, that's a good idea." <laughs> so she goes and she gets married to this dude that she's hey, known. Can I posit like a different solution that is? Sort of like immediate, just a, an idiot like me knows. Yeah, we we went to a weird place real fast. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead? No, I mean like it's it's really the obvious solution would be for this guy to just buy the debt in the restaurant 
from the owner and then just sign over his interest in the restaurant for a dollar. He doesn't need to give her the money. He can give the money straight to the guy she owes money to. And then, it, it, like, she doesn't have to be involved in the taxes of this shit at all. I mean, I don't listen to me. I'm not a tax guy. I'm not an attorney. I'm not an H&R Block professional. What I do know is that if you've got enough money to buy a townhouse in the smack center in fucking Manhattan, I think you can handle paying taxes on a transfer of funds of $2 million. That's just what I'm saying is maybe he should offer to cover that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just interesting to me how like both of us have immediately come up with far more workable solutions than getting married to a stranger you think is a CIA agent. Right, so she doesn't even know like his last name at this point. <laughs> awesome. So she's dumb as rocks, and she gets married to him the next fucking day, like in the like, civil ceremony, next fucking day, and uh, people are, she's very ambivalent about this dude. Like, she's wearing a wedding ring, but she's got this other ring with like dangly things that hang down in it, so she's wearing a wedding ring to dinner one night, and her friend is like, oh, I jokingly says, Sarma, are you wearing that dangly ring over your wedding ring because you don't want people to see it? And she's like, kind of. <laughs> so one day. Do you, th oh, just real quick. So she thinks she's using him. Yes, she does. Well, that makes this a pretty cool story, it's doesn't it? It's a pretty great story. Because like, so for right now, there are no good guys <laughs> in this story. The turntables will turn tables. <laughs> I mean, I assume they will. I mean, I don't know how many times you could use phrases like, it seems like he has a lot of money, or he's coming off like he's rich. Yeah. <laughs> but please continue. He's just a real fucking shady dude. And he's been to the restaurants a couple times, and the waiters, the people that they interview from the restaurant are like, yeah, he's just weird and shady and like and he's walking around doing weird shit, asking weird questions. So the one day they're at the restaurant and the restaurant gets a call and they have caller ID and the name of the caller ID pops up, Anthony Sturgis. And they answer the phone and somebody's like asking questions about the restaurant. Don't they keep in mind, bear in mind, they've never heard the name Anthony Sturgis before. So they're like, who the fuck are you? We don't have to answer like these questions about our books. So they Google the guy and you want to guess what pops up? No. His mugshot. <gasps> Anthony Sturgis's mugshot. But Anthony Sturgis is actually Shane. So Shane Fox, the dude from Twitter, has been calling himself Shane Fox. His real name is Anthony Sturgis, and he is on parole from a bitch down in Florida <laughs> because he stole a car and pretended to be a police officer. Now, what are the what's the context? Maybe there was justifiable situation where he had to impersonate a police officer. I don't know, he's CIA. <laughs> Maybe. I feel like that's also something that like CIA just has diplomatic immunity. Like if you're a CIA agent, I feel like you get to pretend to be like, you know, when you level up hide up in a video game, <laughs> you can go back and like put the armor on from lower levels, but you get to maintain like the power. Oh, new game plus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, I feel like it's kind of like that, but no, he stole a car <laughs> uh, and he pretended to be a police officer. They find this, they give it to Sarma. The people at the restaurant are like, what the fuck? This is the guy Sarma's fucking married to. So they give all this information to Sarma and she really doesn't give a shit. 
She's, what? She like makes up this nothing story, and so they're like, "All right, this is weird." But like, uh, people come to New York to make a new name for themselves, so maybe he was trying to like leave his past in the past. She's desperate. They get married, and Anthony sp- still cannot like explicitly. I'm going to call him Anthony from now on. Okay. So Anthony still cannot like explicitly tell her about his job, but after they get married, he introduces her to virtually introduces her to someone named will and will is like this i guess you could say it guy he's like hey uh you are married to an agent in like our network so i'm gonna need to carefully monitor all your banking transactions and shit give me a password to like your facebook and your email and uh your uh bank account so i could like encrypt it all and shit and she's like okay (laughs) so she does and she says this guy has all her uh, information. Will Richards is his name. He's a British intelligence agent. And he gets all her passwords. Now, this is the time where I need to tell you that, you know how they say cults, they don't just like start. They start right. small. Like you can't just walk up to someone and say, I want to cut a piece of your small intestine out because I have magic powers. You have to start with like, God loves you and you can come live on this commune with all of us. So Anthony's fucking weird. And Anthony's weird in like a, a spiritual way. Uh-huh. But he's weird in a spiritual way that is relatively benign at this point. Like, he will say just weird shit like, I've known you for thousands of years. Like, I've been in love with you for thousands of years. At one point, he convinces Sarma that her dog, Leon, was his dog in a past life because the dog really liked him, I guess. It would, like, lick him every time he came. He's like, oh, yeah, in my, pa- in my past life, Leon was uh, my dog. And you see, this is a cosmic entity force. And I have been traveling through time to meet you. Our spirits have been searching for one another through the cosmos. And she's like, Alec fucking Baldwin. <laughs> Thank you, God. A.K.A. Alec Baldwin. <laughs> so this culminates in... Sometimes it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. It goes from, I love you so much. I feel like I've loved you for a thousand years to you are a tiny blonde human. and I am an extraterrestrial outlaw. At some point, this progresses to the point where Anthony convinces Sarma that he is a mortal. He is some kind of immortal being. And I, I'm a little sketch of the details here because nobody involved in this story has any good explanation for like why they do the things they do. So I'm taking a little creative liberty here. Anthony is an immortal being, and he has chosen Sarma as his life partner. So it seems the way that this works is that Anthony has the power to make, he tells her that he has the power to make her and her dog immortal like he is, but she will have to pass a series of cosmic endurance tests. And How many of those involve Venmoing him all of her parents' money. It may be more likely than you think. Oh my god. <laughs> so, in order to become a magic celestial being, Sarma needs to pass a series of tests that kind of prove that she's transcended beyond our mortal realm. Like, she has to give up all... You know what, Buddha? It's kind of like the Buddha. In order to reach Nirvana, you have to completely give up the pleasures of the mortal world or something. Yeah. Well, she needs to give up all the money in her bank account. <laughs> So in an effort to prove that she is committed to him, now keep in mind, Anthony is richer than God, according to him. He's like, I got all this fucking money sending her pictures of like giant piles of money on beds. He's like, I have tons of money, but I need you to send me a bunch of money. And the reason why is I'm not spending that money. I'm just holding it. 
I'm holding it because the family want to see that you are like not attached to you're thinking beyond our timeline into the cosmic realm timeline. Do you mean the family of immortal beings that like he is part of like the pantheon he's from? Right. It seems like the family. I've thought about this a lot because yeah. the family's never Anthony, believe it or not, was not in this documentary. So he could not fully explain the uh, magic forces that are in play here. But the family seems to be a group of beings of which Anthony is one of them that can transcend time. They have amazing powers. They have all have tons of money. There is a house in California that all the family lives in, but you must change forms to get into the house. <laughs> Eventually you will need to change physical form. Maybe that's why he changed his physical form to a cop. Oh yeah. He changes his physical form to fat and then fatter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wow, that's his mutant power, huh? It's, it's pretty mutant. cool. He calls it his meat suit. That is one of, that is one of the trials that Sarma had to go through is he had to get fucking fat, obese as shit. Like he was a chubby guy, but one of the trials that she had to go through was he had to gain like pounds and pounds and pounds. He called it his meat suit. He was like, you see, I'm gaining all this weight because of you, because this is one of your tests and I can't wait uh, until the heavens align and you get to uh, be God and I can be skinny again, I guess. Jesus. So the family is this group of beings. The family is basically like God and Jesus and the Holy Trinity. They see everything. Like they are omnipresent. They can see and hear every conversation that Sarma and Anthony have, except for when they are in the box. The box, what the box is, is Anthony also has the power to create a small temporary space. This lore is awesome. <laughs> to create a small temporary space where the family cannot... Like uh, a cone of silence. Right, like a cone of silence. And how he would do this is he would walk into like a hotel room and he would go in the bathroom for like 10 minutes and come out and be like, okay, we're in the box now. And she refers to this as box talk, <laughs> which I think is funny as fuck. He can only tell her like details of this when they're in the box and he can't explain and there are only limited times when he could get into the box and create the box. So he can't explain like where the money is being held or how all of this. Uh, you just need to trust in him, bro, because the family's listening and in the fam within the family, there is one particular member that we need to be wary of. And that member is his brother. I don't know if the brother had a name, but he's just referred to as the brother. The whole time I'm throughout the documentary. Now the brother is immortal, also like Anne. Anthony, but he is he's not too keen on Sarma he's like she can't do it she can't pass the rigmarole that uh is required so he's constantly thinking about his brother now something that I don't think I established was this is a very risky series of cosmic endurance tests so once so Anthony I guess what's it called when you petition like petition for somebody to join a country club I mean that's, like you co-sign yeah when a sponsor yeah when you sp so when after Anthony sponsors Sharma yeah, Anthony sponsors, is like basically sponsoring Sarma into the afterlife, the immortal world. But he, the gods, the family doesn't want them just, you can't pull this shit with anybody. Like not everybody can be God. Not everybody's dogs can be God. <laughs> so uh, if he fucks up and chooses the wrong person, then his brother is going to kill him. His brother is going to kill Anthony. So that's why she needs to see, keep sending money. So the brother is always watching and the brother is like a super sniper. And he can snipe from anywhere. He's like the Navy SEAL copy pasta. He is anywhere at any time. And he can snipe Anthony dead. There's a bunch of recorded phone calls where he'd be like, did you send the money yet? And she'll be, you have enough of my money. He'll be like, don't you understand what's going to happen? If you don't send the money, it means that you're done. All this is done. And I get gutted by my brother. <laughs> 
Oh my god! <laughs> yes. I, I'm gonna just a, like a really quick interlude. I kind of understand now why, because you've to, you told a similar story in the past of a con artist to the uh, the WeWork guy. Yeah, I kind of understand why people gave that WeWork guy money because that WeWork guy is crazy enough to believe his own bullshit. I don't think this Anthony guy like sat down and he was like, I'm going to like come up with this whole complicated lore about a box and a family and my evil brother. Like, I think he believes this stuff. He also really wants her money real bad. <laughs> like, but he also thinks he's an immortal. What, what do you think? I mean, how far could you possibly? Like, you, this guy maintained this for, like, years and years and, like, lured other people in. But there are parts of the story where he interacts with people that aren't dumb as a bag of rocks. And they're like, what, what, fuck, what are you talking about, man? Like, you said this. You said something else two weeks ago. And apparently he used to get very, very angry when confronted about, like, uh, discrepancies between stories that he's told people. So maybe he did know. Maybe he did know, and he's a really good actor. Well, or maybe he believed both things. Yeah. And, like, when you call up a discrepancy in his crazy-ass story, crazy people don't like the truth. Yeah. So, so you know, like, he sees, like, an ink... There's, like, an incongruity there, and, it like, it has to be stamped out. Right. Um. I, I mean, I, I'm just gonna ask one more time, like, do you think this guy believes his own bullshit or not? No, I don't. I wow. don't because like think about it seriously if you have someone if if I promise to you Asterios if you give me a uh, hundred thousand dollars I'm gonna make you immortal mm -hmm. like you have to know on some level that you can't <laughs> do that like you need to like I think crazy people think stuff like that and they think that they can just weasel out of it later on oh but I think he's just saying shit at this point and okay. then he's like okay I'll plan out how I'm gonna Ding dong disher <laughs> later on. Jesus Christ. So do I think Andy Anthony thinks he's an immortal being? No. I think he has some kind of weird idea about this or like spirit. And we have tons of weird shit we believe about God and fucking demons as a human species. So I think he's somewhere on that religious spectrum. I don't think he thinks he's actually, I don't think he's schizophrenic. Okay. Like, I, I just, I'm, I'll just say one more thing about it. Like, I really want to hear the rest of the story, but it's like, if this girl will clearly believe anything, then why not just tell her you're a real estate investor and you need her money because you're going to double it. You give me your money and I'm going to invest it in Manhattan real estate and then you'll end up getting 10 times as much. Like, why come up with a whole story about like meat suits and brothers and cosmic snipers and you have to give me the money as part of like a cosmic purity test? See, that's why part of the reason why this is an interesting story because it's not just a scam. She did, they compare it a lot to the like the Patty Hearst crimes. Yeah. Listener, if you don't know, Patty Hearst was a, uh, she was the heir to the Hearst uh, Fortune, which is like a publishing house that owns mm -hmm. every magazine on the face of the planet. And she got kidnapped when she was in college by the Sibonese, what is the it? Sibi, the Sibonese Liberation Army, the SLA. She gets captured by a small like terrorist group and they essentially just brainwash her for a while. And 
eventually they robbed a bank right like as a collective and there's like great like we know patty hearst robbed that bank there's awesome pictures of her like holding this giant machine gun in a bank so she definitely was there she definitely did rob the bank but like they were debating could they possibly like can we charge her for this because she was kidnapped and like brain it was the first instance of brainwashing and gaslighting being used you you want to talk about actual gaslighting is <laughs> here it is like it was the first instance of gaslighting being used in a court of law as a defense i think she still did go to jail though because it was like why would the did she actually become a revolutionary uh why was she there why would you do this if you're already a millionaire just we we have questions and we don't know the answers we might never know the answers the reason like the patty hearst thing is interesting because like well it's also possible that she just like ran away with this group of like counterculture revolutionaries like pretended to get kidnapped and like was super duper down with the cause and was down with robbing banks and then like when they got caught like a an amazing super lawyer was like ah you were brainwashed gaslight gatekeep girl boss yeah so, so it's it, like the truth is uh, like that's why that story is like still interesting to this day so you think this this what was her name again uh sarma Sar do you think sarma was brainwashed oh i absolutely believe that sarma bought in to everything that he is telling her and i would not be surprised if to this day she still believes oh, that her God. dog is not going to die that's terrible like that see because that's part of the reason that's why i went off on this tangent is because like his defense was she gave me all this money willingly like she tr she transferred money to me i told her i needed money and she sent me money <laughs> like granted he was like talking about oh, fucking demons and shit so th that's i think why both of them end up going to jail for a little bit <laughs> I'll be goddamned. But I'll be goddamned. Anyway, Anthony's a fucking weirdo. He starts, and let me tell you, there were, when we, when weird shit like this happens, we're always like, where are the other people in this person's life? <laughs> Short of like physically taking Sarma's money, the people at her restaurant, like they are cool with her. Like they took multiple steps to stop what is happening from happening. And she just like absolutely fucking ignored everyone. Like the first one, she called, they, their staff is like, hey, do you know that the guy that you're married to is lying about his name and also uh, got arrested down in Florida for pretending to be a lease officer? She's like, hey, it's got a Rolex though. <laughs> You need that $2 million. Right. So this fucker starts coming into Pure Food and Wine, and nobody really knows who he is. They know her, like, as Sarma's husband. But then he starts coming in and starts asking about, like, managers and, like, opinions on the menu and, like, changing financial things and stuff. And they're like, no. Like, who are you? Why are you here? It'd be like if I walked into your job. It's like, hey, can I have the quarter two reports? I need to go look at them. They're like, no. <laughs> they want to be like, no. But they're like, oh, let's just, okay, I guess, because you're married to her here you go so at one point during the series of the cosmic endurance test anthony would just like randomly fuck off during, <laughs> during a cosmic endurance test during these i guess that was part of the test yeah it's part of the test uh the only contact she'll have he'll just randomly leave uh one time he uh fucks off and she is messaging will remember the tech guy she's like hey uh you're connected with Anthony, right? Where the fuck is Anthony? And Will is like, oh, he's fighting uh, rebels in Africa. So can you just like chill and also keep sending why? <laughs> Oh my god. And she does. In between the years of 2014 and 2015, Sarma had sent Anthony Sturgis uh, $1.7 million. Okay. She has access to $1.7 million to send to Anthony. Why can't she just use that money to pay off the restaurant debt? I think, I think because it was over multi uh, like a year and during that time she was siphoning money out of her restaurant. 
Oh. Because the restaurant was running profitably so during she, oh, this time. Oh, it was like being skimmed off the top. Oh, yikes. Yeah, I think think okay I th- that's what i think happened or okay. she was like tapping into emergency cash reserves that they needed like in case they couldn't make payroll or something right or like i don't know maybe she's got a trust fund or so it's like okay I, so she was somehow legally getting the money oh yeah okay and it's serious i know what you're thinking you're thinking where'd that 1.7 million dollars go yes was it in a magic bank account well it is in a magic bank account <laughs> <laughs> That's what he did tell her his brother is watching it from, uh, I don't know, Nibiru <laughs> or uh, Mount Valkyrie or wherever. Uh-huh. He's gone, sir. Well, Sears, I'll give you a hint. It was not in a magic bank account. I will tell you where the money is. We're sitting on it. What do you mean we're sitting on it? We're sitting on it at the Foxwoods Casino. <laughs> Wait, so this con artist guy took the $1.7 million and he's Blew it at the casino? He came here, Asterios. To here. the Foxwoods Casino Resort Hotel Fuck in yeah. Connecticut? That's the dumbest possible use of stolen money. What? What? We're supposed to have stole. Why don't invest the stolen money? I don't know. Use the stolen money to buy a bunch of guns. To you're supposed to tell, you're supposed to turn stolen money into more stolen money. You're not supposed to just flush it all down the toilet at the Foxwoods Casino. Yeah, this crazy addicted gambler dude who thinks he talks to demons did not really think this plan out. I, who could have possibly predicted? I guess it is on me for assuming a little, a little more cognizant crime behavior. He just went to the fucking casino and dumped it into slot machines. Oh, yes, he did. He said he'd sit there for eight hours dumping shit in the slot machines. We'll get a little bit more of that on the next episode. But I'm walking around the casino series. That's why I think this should be named a uh, National Historic Site. <laughs> I'm walking around the casinos and I'm looking at them. I'm like, wow, this is where all of Sarma's money went. Oh, my God. All right. Well, this is a great place to stop. Uh, next week, we will hear the conclusion to the bad vegan uh, is that is that how you call the story uh, we're gonna call the story a tale of two demons <laughs> hey i like that i like that a lot better thank you so much for listening to the loudest podcast we will be back next week oh also we will have a new episode of christory out incredibly soon uh, we just sent out two months worth of stickers at once at a double mailing. Yeah, I put them. I put them in the mail slot. So thank me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, Sriracha. We sent out our uh, signed 150th episode super stickers. They're really cute. <laughs> signed by both me and Rancho, and we sent out the Boomer Morph stickers, uh, both with amazing art by the Mimi Yori. And you can hear us next week on the Loudest Podcast. Don't forget. Leave us a nice little rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It helps us when we get those ratings. Leave us a funny little review. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Check us out on Patreon. Do all the things it takes for us to not end up degenerate gamblers at the Foxwoods Casino, please. Yeah, please. I really, really don't want to go to the Foxwood Casino again. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. God, it's been 20 years since I've, I've come here. Hopefully, I never come back. But hopefully, you come back Woo. next week. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.